Hello and welcome to the Workplace Podcast with Medify. I'm your host, Michelle Verrett. Before we dive in, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land where I am right now and from wherever you are listening and pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. Today, I'm joined by Beth Tude Hope, Director of People and Culture across the South Pacific region at Colgate Palmolive. Our conversation will be a little bit more intimate than others as we discuss what it's like to deal with a significant health challenge while working in a position of leadership, in this case, the big C. I'm sure you know what I'm alluding to. Community and family support is so important in times like these, not only for the person receiving care, but also the support network around them. You'd be interested to know that 9% of caregivers actually leave their jobs as a result of having to balance caregiving responsibilities with their work obligations. Empathy, supported by a robust policy, can help in many of these situations. Beth's journey so far is truly inspirational. She has tackled so many challenges with immense energy and zest for life. If you haven't already cottoned on, Beth is a superwoman who has taken strength from her supportive community and family to fight this head-on with purpose. I'm very honoured to have the one and only Beth Tudhope in the house. Welcome. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. And look, definitely no superwoman, but look, happy to share my story. And you realise definitely going through something like this, the strength that you have to fight anything. Definitely. And so to begin, I'd love you to give our listeners an overview of what a wonderful woman you are. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at Colgate Palmolive and your experience there? Of course. So look, I'm a 38-year-old female. I've been with Colgate for nearly 13 years. So started off in a HR coordinator role, thinking I'd be there for a couple of years and then move on to something else and have been fortunate to continue to grow with the company, to be given many, many opportunities, which I'm extremely grateful for, and to progress throughout the organisation. HR is probably not something I was always, you know, destined to do or knew that I was, you know, passionate about. I've always loved people. I get a lot of energy from people. So I'm definitely someone that's quite social and, you know, really thrive on that. But Colgate has been an amazing organisation for me to work with. Really, really focused on people first. So people centricity is key to who we are and a very, you know, great company that really aligns with my values. So really focused on, you know, building trust, connecting and building a culture where people can thrive and obviously having many opportunities, which I've been a fortunate recipient of myself. Wonderful. And so how did you come to work in HR? So it wasn't initially, as I said, what I was thinking I would do. So I did PDHPE actually. So finished uh, school, went on to study that at the University of Sydney. Did that for about a year and then realised probably a little bit more physical than sort of the nutrition <laughs> side of it. So I love nutrition, but probably not the, the most sportiest person. So I thought, okay, I'm not sure if this is, you know, the, the right career choice for me. And it was actually someone at my dad's work who, who was in HR that was over for dinner at the time and said, oh, I think you'd be great with people. Have you ever thought about HR? And literally from speaking with her and, you know, understanding a little bit more about what it involves, I thought, yes, this definitely aligns with, you know, what I love, what's passionate to me and helping people, which, which is where I get a lot of my energy from. So to set the scene from last year, you received a very exciting promotion to Associate Director of People and Culture. And again, obviously now, as I mentioned, Director, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, So you were dealing with a very personal story at the time behind the scenes. Would you mind sharing that with us? Of 
course. So last year in May, and I think May 2022 is a year, is a month and a year that I'll never forget. I was, you know, in a matter of probably two weeks on an extreme high to receiving this news of being promoted to associate director, which was you know, fantastic and and something that I had always aspired to be. So, you know, really going through the motions of that and feeling very grateful to about two weeks later, receiving the news very, very unexpectedly because I I really had no symptoms, but was told that I actually had stage four bowel cancer. So I still remember it was 11.45 p.m. at night and I was in this room at St. Vincent's Hospital, actually. And yes, this doctor said, told me the news and I must admit I thought oh you've got the wrong person did you feel like it you were having an out-of-body experience absolutely I I actually remember I was I was feeling sick at the time I had cramps and that's the reason why I had I had gone into hospital but I I remember saying to him oh sorry you've got the wrong person because that just that was so far from what I possibly could have imagined from having cramps. I think for me, my daughter was two at the time and we were picking up every bug from daycare. So I assumed I had bad gastro. So to then be told that was was so far. Such from, a shock. Yes, what I ever would have imagined. I mean, yes, you do think they bring home everything, don't yeah, you? I've got two, absolutely two of my do. own little lovely ones that bring everything back. Germs. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so what treatment were you offered at that time and how did that affect your mental and physical state? So the first thing, which again, I think was good because I didn't have time to process it. Basically, 24 hours later, I was having bowel surgery, which you as you can imagine, just so far from anything. It's incomprehensible, yes. isn't it? And like I said, no family history, no symptoms. I've always been a very healthy, active person. So that happened 24 hours later and 26 centimetres of my bowel was removed. Wow. And look, again, at the time, that's all we thought we were dealing with. So, okay, I had bowel surgery, which went very, very well. Um, and I it's think- It's still a big recovery though. It is. It yes. is a big recovery, but I think I was quite fortunate. I- and again, you know, the doctor said you're very much in the sort of top 1% to recover that quickly. I was actually at work a week later. Oh. Everyone was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but yes, I managed to recover very quickly from that, which which I'm grateful for. What it did also expose, though, was that my cancer had spread and it had spread to my liver. So that meant then we needed to go on a, a sort of treatment plan to to try and reduce that. So I began chemotherapy. I remember thinking at the time, you know, I started that the day before my birthday. So they said, oh, do you want to, you know, we need to probably start this quite quickly. And I said, let's do it. Let's do it. I want to be around for my 50, 60, 70th birthday. So we need to, you know, it doesn't matter the time. Keep it in the bud. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember saying to the doctor, she's like, we're going to throw the sink at you. And I said, no, no, you throw the whole house and the backyard at me. I've got a three or two year old at the time. So there's no other option for me. And I basically started a journey of six months chemotherapy every fortnight. That was tough I think I remember still one of the you know as you go through this you remember different milestones but I remember the call on the Friday before I was to start chemotherapy on the Monday and I get it it's part of their role but they go through in a one-hour meeting every single possible side effect of chemotherapy oh the things going through your mind (laughs) oh Michelle I can't even tell you I'm thinking 
just give me the book and yeah. I'll read what I need to read. But look, and ignore I, the rest. And ignore the rest. <laughs> That's something, look, I, I will definitely say for me, a big, big part of how I've dealt with this is I don't need to know everything. Tell me what I need to know and what I need to do. Compartmentalization. I think I'm a master of that. <laughs> and this last, you know, 15 months has shown me that. But yes, that that is how I deal with things. So I started that journey and, you know, to me, my mental health, I, I would say, had remained quite strong. And I think it was about having a purpose. We need a solution. What do we need to do for it? I have the most amazing support around me, my family and my friends and my work. I I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. Rallied together and basically, you know, supported me in a way that I, I actually never knew possible. I had a friend's or family come to every session with me. They had a roster, someone would pick me up in the morning. And and it's something that I, I don't take for granted because I know a lot of people going through something like this don't have that. So you've spoken about your family and friends support. How did the workplace take it and how did they deal with it in house? My work was amazing. And I think that is a true testament to the people and, and the company. As I said, you know, there's a reason why I've stayed there nearly 13 years and and there's a long history of people staying for a long time and I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day one of our core values is caring and we truly truly lead with caring so they were amazing they said you know whatever you need and again it was unknown I didn't know how I was going to feel you know if you need time off for you know six months you take that off but you said you didn't take a day off when we spoke earlier <laughs> I Other than your standard sick leave, you've been at work this whole time. Correct. I haven't. I think I took two days off the whole time. And it, and look, it's not to say that I'm amazing or a hero. I think again, for me, my motivation is to be distracted. I think from a mental health point of view, having a purpose and keep you've got to keep going, and that that worked for me. I think sometimes when you have too much time by yourself you can sometimes think the worst or you can get in in quite a sort of dark place and you know I think some people thought does she really realize the extent of what she's going through this is this is major and and I did I think but I I chose to cry when I wanted to and needed to and realize this does suck but okay, it's a new day tomorrow and we've got to keep going and work is a good distraction for me. And I'd been given this amazing opportunity at work. And a new one. Exactly. <laughs> they keep coming. you just got to keep going. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of how I dealt with it. And, and like I said, work were amazing the whole time and often would be like, go home. But I think... It also helped with, you know, hybrid working after COVID allowed me to do some of that from home and not actually be, you know, in the office all the time. But as I said, I do find I get my energy out of people. So the week of treatment. And that's a good support mechanism for many people in those situations, having that ability to go and work as whether you're a carer or the person needing care to actually have that ability to work from home and have the trust in the, you know, workplace network that that can happen efficiently and effectively and everyone still achieves what they need to. Need to, absolutely. And that trust, as you said, was key. And I think, you know, having been there for a while, there was definitely that trust. Oh, wonderful. And so you refer to the illness as C. Can you explain to our listeners why you call it this? So, yeah, that was something that from very early on, again, it was more... In relation to my daughter, I didn't want, you know, she's a two-year-old who, you know, I 
wanted to protect from hearing that word. And again, she, she was very little at times. So we just as a family, I said, I don't want us to ever use the word cancer in the house or around each other. And we just named it the sea. And that is something that has stuck. I, everyone at work calls it the sea or my friends call it the sea. When I write my book, it's going to be the sea. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you'll do it. <laughs> oh, I plan to. I plan to. So yes, but it, it was, again, I think it was more for me to cope with it mainly was my daughter. And so what other practices have you engaged to actually help support your health journey along the way on top of this mental practice? That's a big part of this journey for me. And I think I was open to everything and anything at the time. So obviously guided by the doctors in terms of from a medical point of view, doing chemotherapy was not, you know, was exactly what I need to do. But then I wanted to balance that with other things. And uh, actually my legal director at work, who, you know, I'm also very good friends with, recommended this energy healer. Honestly, Michelle has been... A, She's wonderful. We oh, have the same name. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She has been, you know, an angel. You know, one of the things when you get diagnosed with something like this that the hospital provides you is free counselling sessions. And at the time I thought, oh, okay, I better do this. You know, obviously this is quite major what I'm going through. And I had three sessions. I think they, you know, serve an amazing purpose. And, you know, it's fantastic that it is a free service that people can access during something like this. But for me, I just didn't connect with the person. And you do need to connect with that person that you're receiving that care from. It's so important. And I think, you know, someone who hasn't, you know, been to many counsellors or, you know, I thought, no, just this doesn't feel right. And then that's when Michelle got introduced to me and she has been on this journey with me the whole way and has just given me that strength to keep going framed things differently so you know one of my big things every time I'd go to chemotherapy on a Monday fortnight I'd always wear color or I'd wear something sparkly and and even all the nurses would be like oh what are you wearing today so whether you know and that was just my vibrancy absolutely in a in a environment that's not pleasant (laughs) exactly (laughs) see you know you bring it to work you bring it exactly so that was something that she really helped me with and even at times when I really wasn't feeling great and you know you get lots of the different side effects I was fortunate I didn't get a lot but she helped me reframe it and think about it okay well this is flushing your body this is getting rid of toxins or whatever it may be and particularly with the hair loss I think that was something that that is challenging your hair Um, looks fabulous by the way oh well thank you (laughs) this is my big hair that my daughter refers to underneath is my short hair but uh yeah that's been a a wonderful help for me and also it's great for your personal image as well to feel and look right and like you Exactly. And mm. I think being in a corporate environment, being, you know, there's a certain way that I, you know, would like to come across. And, you know, I laugh sometimes because not everyone at work actually knows my situation. And, you know, I'm very open with it and, and very open to share it. But uh, not everyone does know. And um, I always laugh because, yeah, people will comment and be like, Beth, your hair looks amazing. You know, so I think, I'm just going to go with it. Of <laughs> course. Thank you. Own it. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. But yeah, meditation has helped a lot. And exercise, I said, uh, as I said, just trying to, you know, the weeks of treatment, you feel very tired, but just even walks and, you know, focusing and, you know, having some time mm, outside. It gets everything flowing and moving again from those sedentary times. It's yes. very important. Like in the end, at the end of the day, physical health is just as important to your mental health. You have to be active. have to be active, yes. yes. And having a little one, you're running around a lot. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> and so we mentioned your daughter just earlier. Our children are so impressionable, especially at the age of two and three. 
but she I would assume she is very astute in reading the situation that's going on around her as many of them are it must have been hard trying to keep this news from her how has she coped and what support have you put in place for her yeah, so that's been my biggest focus, I think, going through something like this, you know, making sure, you know, protecting her. She, as I said, is so little and she was two at the time, which I I chose to go down the path of less is more, partly because she is so little, uh, partly because I also didn't know how I was going to be. So the week of treatment, my main symptoms were that I was very tired. I was fortunate, I, you know, Know, vomiting or things like that so she would know very well oh mummy's a bit tired this week or I um would have a bottle of chemo so I'd do my six hours of chemotherapy on the Monday and then I would have a bottle attached to me for uh, 48 hours and I never showed her that bottle well at least for the first six months I didn't but she just knew that's mummy's sore shoulder so can you pick me up on the other side so that was definitely something that I tried to to manage and and make sure she wasn't exposed to too much but she is intuitive we would drive past St Vincent's and that's where I was having the treatment next to there and only once had we been there and she had just seen the outside and she goes oh mummy that's where you go I thought, oh my goodness, like you've only been there once as in driven past it and just remembered. Well, it's an important place. They, they sense that, really. I've always said my daughter's an old soul. And I think she's my grandpa, my mum's uh, dad, you know, for back to, to, to watch over because she is, she's very intuitive. Um, she absolutely is. Yes. She, she joked again with my hair once I started losing it. And, and then I got the wig and she said to me, oh, mummy. And this just made my day one night. I was reading a book to her before bed and she goes, take off your big hair. I like your small hair. And how I thought, sweet. oh, you have no idea how <laughs> much that means. my heartstrings. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, and in terms of support for her, I'm very fortunate. I do have a big family and my parents have been amazing with that. My sister, when I was first diagnosed in the week of treatment, uh, moved in with me so that she could help take my daughter to daycare and just with, you know, the day-to-day things that need to happen. So that's been that's been really important. And just routine for her. I've really wanted to try and maintain routine with daycare and, and her being around her friends. And so you shared a very exciting piece of information if we're talking about children, but also partners. <laughs> so, I mean, physical well-being is really one of five factors yeah. of life and being happy. So really they cover, you know, your physical, financial, career, social and community side of things. This is all very exciting news. Would you like to share? <laughs> Whoa, groundbreaking. No, this is the part of the book that's really exciting. Yes. <laughs> We've been waiting for this bit. No, well, I think, you know, going through the journey and, you know, I was single going through the journey and I think that that's exactly almost you know, what I needed to do. I just needed to focus on myself and my daughter and I had the support around and, and that was that was fine. And then I finished treatment. So I ended up doing nine months of treatment because I responded well and I just said, let's keep going keep what going. we need to do. Yes. Uh, so I finished that in March. And at the time I thought, oh, I'd love to meet someone. But again, that's a bit daunting. I It's not just going out and meeting someone. It's also I've got a bit of a story and I'm going through something at the moment. So how would someone react to that? But I look, I did put myself out there and I was very fortunate to meet someone who has just been amazing in this journey. And, you know, I remember telling them on date three, because uh, I thought, oh, I won't tell them straight away. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> see where this is going. I need to share it otherwise. And I was quite nervous telling them. And I remember they just grabbed my hand and they said, whatever it is, it's okay. 
And I had actually worked through a few different scenarios with Michelle, my energy healer, to kind of, you know, how they could react. And he couldn't have reacted better. He couldn't have been more supportive. And he didn't have to be. Yes. He, he didn't know me that well. And he's continued to be an amazing strength for me. And as someone said, how cool is that? You've just got someone else to love you on this journey as well. So, yeah, I feel very grateful uh, for him and, and how he has supported me. Uh, to date on this journey. Oh, it's so good to see how all the different factors of your life are thriving, even going <laughs> through all of this. So taking that into back to our workplace scenario, you're launching a new initiative at Colgate coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So one of the things we have at work that I've been a part of pretty much since I joined was Live Better. So Live Better is a global, I suppose, initiative where we look at, you know, different elements. So as you mentioned before, sort of the physical, the nutrition side and the mental well-being side. And this year, or I should say last year, obviously going through, you know, a lot of what I was going through, I thought we need to do more in this space. You know, we we talk a lot about resilience, but what does resilience really mean? We do things on um, Are You OK Day or Mental Health Month, but that's not enough. They're token items. They absolutely mm. are. And I think it's really important, you know, particularly coming out of COVID, particularly, you know, two years of uncertainty for well, people. So many people are in such a level of depletion coming out of COVID. Absolutely. And and we saw that. And I think, you know, most organisations would be dealing with the same thing. So how do we bring people back together? How do we get, you know, back into a bit more you know, the new norm, which which is hybrid, I suppose. So we launched, it's called a uh, bento box, so a mental health bento box series. I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm a big did. sushi fan. <laughs> well, that's, that's the big draw card when I remember saying to the leadership team, okay, we've got a bento box series coming. They're like, wow, what is this? Uh, I said, not quite sushi, but we should have launched it that <laughs> yeah. way. Um, but it was, it was, it's been fantastic. It's something we've been able to offer to the whole South Pacific. We, That's great cultural overlay. Absolutely. Mm. And it's, it's basically an opportunity for people to virtually connect every fortnight. We have a fantastic external person that, that does these series and it's on different topics. So it's 30 minutes So again, we didn't want something that was going to be too draining. Everyone is busy. We have a big focus at work on Fridays, which we call Free Up Fridays. So we wanted to do it on Friday morning just to give people some time. It's been really successful. It's tips and tricks. It's tools. It's things. It's recorded. So people can also watch it with their family and in their own time. Mm. And then there's a QA and a or there's actually, there's no questions, but I really want to ask something to the psychologist on the other end. And obviously that's not recorded and people can can have sort of one-on-one with him as well. That's so good to hear. It is. It's it's (laughs) amazing. What a great support network you've got internally. Oh, it is. And I think look globally for the company this year. So that's locally what we're doing, but globally, mental health is a big focus and and a lot of work that we're doing like on the energy project and how are people feeling and you know what resources can we provide so I think again I feel very fortunate to work for an organization that really places this at the the forefront uh, and moves the needle with a lot of this Mm. because I think it is something that's extremely important and listening from my perspective you've had a really great surround like situation and grounding in all of this as you've been going through your own journey it sounds like you've had a wonderful toolkit both at work and at home uh, to support you. Absolutely. So it definitely wasn't intentional for me to do this to benefit. <laughs> this is why we've launched this. Um, but it has Everyone coincided. It. And you're right. And we all need it in different ways and at different times. And I think that's also the beauty of something like this. The toolkit is available 
at all times for people and can refer to it whenever they need to. So, oh, excellent. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned along your journey so far? Oh, I've learned a lot. I will never take anything for granted. So maybe I can say maybe two. Mm-hmm. I'll never take anything for granted. And, you know, there are going to be times that are, you know, crappy. And, I, you know, actually I had some news recently and I went out for a drink with one of my friends and she said, what are we toasting to? And I said, oh, and I naturally go for something positive. She goes, no, I don't think today is. And that's okay. And I thought, yeah, actually it is okay. You know, it just... Not all days are going to be great days, but there's always tomorrow and you've just got to wake up and, you know, see how you feel tomorrow and go from there. Um, oh, so. That's beautiful advice. <laughs> it's what's got me through. Yeah. Oh, you've oh, got me there. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our podcast today, Beth. Thank you so much for all of your time. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You've shared so much that's been so intimately personal today. So I really appreciate you you coming to share with us today. I know you still have a way to go, um, but you're an absolute inspiration to me and I'm sure many of the listeners that are going to be listening to this in the future moving forward. Your strength, positive mindset and purpose have just been so paramount today. (laughs) I'm sure everyone (laughs) can see that. So thank you for joining us on the Workplace Podcast and I wish you all the best with your journey moving forward. Thank you. And look, I really appreciate being here. And, and I think the only thing I'd just like to say at the end is if this helps one person, that's all that matters to me. And I, and I do want to do something more with this. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to have so much support around me. And I think that is so key when going through something like this. So definitely want to do more to help people and, you know, provide support. So, I, you know, thank you for allowing me to do that. And if this can help one person, then that's all worth it. Excellent. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It is with deep sorrow that we learn of Beth Tudhope's passing since the recording and publication of this podcast. Beth was an amazing individual who kept people, well-being and care at the core of who she was. We are deeply saddened by this news and hope that this podcast serves as a tribute to her amazing courage and story. We urge our listeners to educate themselves and raise awareness of bowel cancer, a rising and common cancer affecting millions of Australians each year. Please visit bowelcanceraustralia.org to learn more and familiarise yourself with the signs and symptoms. May you rest in peace, Beth.